This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, before we get the show started, Horse Radio Network for the first time has a wide selection of Horse Radio Network merchandise available for the holidays. Hats, saddle pads, masks, clothing, mugs, and so much more, either screen printed or embroidered. Get your orders in now for you or your HRN listening friends. Visit horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner on the homepage today. Happy holidays, everybody. This is episode 595 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by ProStride. Okay, guys, before we do anything, I have to clear up a little snafu that happened from last show. I introduced Dr. Laura Stokes Green's topic as being about pre-purchases, but you heard on the show the topic was back pain. Very sorry. We will have the pre-purchase topic for you today. As well, on tonight's show, we will talk about the current challenges of horse purchasing with Lauren Spicer. We've also got a holiday gift guide and a great trainer tip. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. I don't know if you could tell, but I think I'm having problems talking today. So I'm not <laughs> sure what kind of, it's what it's kind of show we're going to have. Yeah. yeah, no, we're killing it today. It is snowing <laughs> in Canada. It snowed once in Kentucky, and I was out. I, I, I was out of there. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually, you know, we were packing and the weather was nice and it was, it was actually a really nice fall in Kentucky this year. So, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm really going to miss home. And then Monday it snowed sideways and then Tuesday it snowed again and it was 19 degrees and mama, mama headed south. Not going to lie. It was cold. <laughs> so, uh, so we're in Florida. Okay, well, you're, you're getting set, settled in, in Florida yep. again. Yep. We're getting settled in Florida. The horses actually leave tomorrow. So we will be all set down here and we're at our same farm and my sweet old dog, Annie, she, she's all settled. She, she knows the farm and, and that was really important to us. So yeah, we're here. And, uh, so far, you know, again, we're, we're not doing a lot down here. You know, we can ride horses safely and, uh, being pretty careful, but so far when we have ventured to the grocery store, everyone seems to be safe. So that's good. Uh, we were a little concerned about that, but so far so good. And then we're, we're in, we're on a farm, so we're, we're pretty safe down here. So I mean, I can't wait for my babies to get here tomorrow or on Saturday. I, I can't wait. I don't like being away from them. So that'll be nice. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, our update. Um, stay safe, stay away I from will. everyone. Yep, Wear your mask, we all that great stuff. And, all the good uh, things. and looking forward to, the season beginning with, with, with yeah. competitions in January, I guess. Huh? Well, we hope, but you know, I, I think that's still the word on the street. They're happening, but you know, if they don't happen, it, it's okay. We, you know, I, I have great access to, to my coach here and, um, you know, good weather. So, uh, fingers crossed, we'll be able to, to compete in January. That's the, that's the plan. Uh, but we'll, we'll see, we, you know, as, as we all are doing things, we'll, we'll see as, as things go, we're, we're learning and this is good for me to learn to be flexible. I'm not necessarily the most flexible. So <laughs> Phil's laughing cause he knows, um, so no, it's good. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I hope everyone stays safe. I mean, I think right now it's really scary, but, um, we're trying to get in the holiday spirit today. My, one of my favorite segments, we're going to do the holiday gift guide here shortly on the show. So we've got a great, great show, don't we? Yeah. I think it kind of turned out to be a horse purchasing show. We've got yeah. topics of, of how to find horses or, you know, what to do and, and then about you know, got a veterinarian on to talk about pre-purchase exams. And then um, Dominique's going to come on and talk all about uh, new vocations, you know, the thoroughbred adoption society. So there's all, all great topics. I think it's awesome. Yeah. We, yeah. We hope you really, really enjoy it. We're looking forward to it. So we're going to have this commercial break from ProStride. ProStride is the all-natural solution for lameness. It uses the power of your horse's own blood to relieve pain, reduce inflammation and improve mobility to keep them sound. 
ProStride can be completed stallside by your veterinarian in just 20 minutes with no need for trailering. Research has shown improved performance and lasting results with a single injection. No series, no daily supplements and no monthly regimen. When every stride counts, ProStride. Learn more at ProStride.com. Bates Saddles are the saddle brand that truly put your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Bates Saddles offer you many features you don't find with other saddle brands, including the external flexi-block system, which is anatomically contoured to your leg, allowing it to ride in behind the block and support your individual position for maximized comfort and security. An adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, which allows effortless rider alignment to be achieved by altering the position of the stirrup bar, enabling you complete control over your preferred leg position. Many styles are available, including the new Bates Dressage Saddles, the Bates Victress Show Jumping Saddle, and the Bates Advanta Eventing Saddle. It is the official saddle of the United States Eventing Association. You can learn more about Bates Saddles at BatesSaddles.com. That's BatesSaddles.com. Well, tonight we are really excited to have friend of the show on the program, Lauren Spreiser of Spreiser Sport Horses. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure. No, it's been a li- it's been a little bit, and we needed to check in with you because we've missed you. I've missed you. I've missed you <laughs> and everyone else on the planet that I can't see because of COVID very badly. I know, I know. I hopefully, hopefully, I'll get to see you in person here in Wellington, and in a little, in a couple weeks uh, from a distance. I obviously, we're all going to have to be safe down here too. But um, so, Lauren, we just kind of wanted to do a check in. We were also going to talk a little bit about kind of your journey of horse shopping and where we are, and and I think horse shopping's on a lot of people's mind as well. So we just wanted to have kind of a general conversation. So I was going to let you get started about where you are right now. Where am I? So over the summer, I sold a horse, which means that I had room in my life for another horse. And I said, cool, I'm going to go find something young, like three or four with three really good gates. Um, and I'm surely no problem to find that, right? Like there's lots and lots of those <laughs> that are out there. Well, let me tell you, I have had three disastrous pre-purchase exams. I have had two more that were vetoed by my veterinary the x-rays that were available, I've had three that sold before I could get somebody there to go see them, and one that was measured in a fashion like men measure. Never mind, this is a family podcast. <laughs> anyway, it was a lot shorter. It's a family show. Than advertised. Yeah. It's a family show, a lot shorter than advertised. Um, and it's been four months. I have more than $8,000 in pre purchase exam costs, and I am nowhere. And I've never had a horse search go like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just like, I'm just having bad luck right now, or if COVID and the challenges to travel have made everybody snap young horses up a lot faster than they normally do, mm-hmm. but I'm nowhere. And I'm certainly learning a heck of a lot about the differences between searching in America and overseas and just searching for young horses in general, searching for horses in general, um, and some of the pitfalls therein. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we talked off air actually about this because I'm kind of in a similar boat also very, trying to find the same young horse. Uh, I kind of got my heart broken on one also on x-rays. I am not as in the hole with pre-purchases, but I did do a full pre-purchase and the horse also, um, had bad films. So I tell my, I tell my vet killer the dreams. Um, but that's obviously what we're paying her to do, uh, or our veterinarians, right. They're, they're kind of our advocates that way. And, and, and I think like your horse is like my horse failed miserably, like really failed. So, um, you know, I think this is, this is a challenge. And so we, that's why we wanted to talk about it on the show, because I think a lot of people are having this challenge right now. You know, I, I would say, I mean, Lauren, talk to the process. If you were going to go to Europe and, and look at young horses, what would your process be? So I have done it several different ways. I have looked for things myself Um, you know, reaching out to breeders that I know, reaching out to contacts that I know. Um, But most of my most successful searches have been where I call up an agent. Um, I don't speak Dutch. I speak a little German, but not nearly enough to be, you know, conversationally competent. Um, And I just feel like even though, of course, many European 
people speak better English than we do, you know, being able to speak the native language really gives you a better a better ability to talk to breeders, to talk to riders, and and to have an honest conversation about what they have available. And you tell your agent what you're looking for, they go find it, and you hop on a plane and you drive around Holland or you drive around Germany. And a lot of them have been pre-screened for you. I've actually been a part of that screening process. I found myself in, in Europe a couple of years ago to go see one horse for three days, which it doesn't take three days to see one horse. So I got to go sit on a bunch of other stuff for other people, which was a real hoot. And of course, I know I'm paying an agent for that service, but I'm happy to do it because it doesn't waste my time um, and that they can find things that I might not necessarily be able to find. But of course, that means that you have to be able to get on a plane. And certainly <laughs> right now, that's off the table. It, it is. It, it's it's not. Yeah, it's not an option. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a lot of uh, American buyers that uh, are, are snapping up horses in, in America and, and Canada, too. I mean, you guys can't come here for horse shopping, but some people are more comfortable in in getting a horse from Canada because it's not ten thousand dollars to put, you know, put them on the plane and, and through quarantine. It's it's only a couple thousand, you know, so that that makes it a little bit more reasonable. Um, you know, I've been through this process at home in Europe. I have to say that my best experience was through, um, the auctions. So usually in fall and in spring, there's, um, there's a group of auctions that are kind of, you can kind of go to two or three at the same time. I know that the Hanoverian, they have probably the most, they have an auction every other month. And then the other ones have two or three a year you know uh at vecta does does a lot of auctions the oldenburgs do a lot of auctions and the westphalians do a lot of auctions and i have had a really good experience with all the, the people there and with that because they do they do the pre-screening they do you, you're going to get maybe not what your vet wants but at least uh, a bunch of x-rays and then you can order more you know when you get there and, and you pay for the extras or whatever so but they pre-screen the horses that are that are coming in and and they select them for their auctions specifically. So I think that that's a good way to go about it. If you're looking for a young horse, I mean all almost all the horses in the in these auctions are pretty pretty green, pretty green broke. They they run uh, a couple maybe three or four each auction that might be a little bit older and a little bit more experienced, but when you're looking for young horses I think you you want to see a lot of them because you want to have a good base of comparison. Yeah, and Phil, explain the role of the the auction houses. I think that's maybe a little bit difficult for North Americans to to listen to hear because we think auction, we don't think good things, but it's different in Europe, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think well, if you're part of a, a breed society, whether it be Hanoverian, Oldenburg, Westphalian then their job is to provide marketing for your horses, be, be it Hanoverians. For, let's use that as the example. So as a Hanoverian breeder, you pay, you, you know, you pay your fees, your yearly fees to, to the breed society. And then they offer a number of services that are very useful to breeders. So um, one of them is marketing of horses and providing at, a, at, a, at an additional cost, but providing um, an auction or auctions for you to possibly sell your your bred horses at. And so uh, if you're a breeder and you have, I mean, they sell them at all ages, but let's say you have a three-year-old, um, you can send it to the Hanoverian place and they have riders who will back your horse for you they, they provide a ton of services they will market your horse in their auction and then they take a percentage of of the sale price as their fee for for these services and their job is to go and select the best horses for their auctions so they have 30 40 per auction to uh to offer to buyers and and they are very upfront about the horses, uh, you know, and they're, you know, they they do the X-ray screening, so they're not selling just any horse in in their sales. They're they're selling kind of the the, the best of 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 what's around and what what will be uh, for sale. So they provide the service to the to the breeder. They provide a service to buyers. 
they just get them together and then they sell horses. And I think that you have uh, a reasonable idea that you're you're buying a horse that is fair market value because you know bidding starts at X and you know you're you're typically bidding against someone else who also wants to buy that horse and so i think that's that's a, a good way to to arrive at a fair market value both both with the auctions and with the private sales in europe i think phil a lot of the thing you mentioned uh, you know in europe are not done in the united states or or in canada um which is one of the reasons why i do enjoy shopping in europe you know x-rays being available I am as in the hole on x-rays as I am because two of the three horses that I vetted had not one ounce of vetting done before they were put on the market. Um, Virtually everything that I have looked at in Europe has at least had a baseline package of x-rays and virtually all of them, not all, but almost all have had big, hairy sets of x-rays, necks and backs and skyline views and many, many, many films um, making my veterinarians very happy. Um, and the quality has certainly improved a lot in the last 10 years. Um, better better marketing of the animal. I don't mean marketing like advertising. I mean knowing what that horse is going to be. I think that in general, not all, but but many European breeders have a more realistic look at their animals than Americans do. I cannot tell you how many times I roll my eyes when I see an ad on the internet for a horse, you know, this absolutely has Grand Prix dressage potential, or it could be a nice hunter. No, that's like saying that I could be a prima ballerina for, you know, at Juilliard or play, you know, right tackle for the 49ers. That is not the same thing. Those are mutually exclusive things. Um, and I think to just better presentation, better videos, every video that I've gotten from Europe has been like the teaser video where it's like, oh, look at a trot, look at a canter. But then there's a two or three minute unedited, no music, no nonsense video that follows it up. I've even had a couple of uh, European sellers sell me videos of, uh, excuse me, send me videos of the horse walking and trotting away from the camera like a pre-purchase exam. I've been sent videos of the horse hacking down the road. You know, it's really a complete marketing package, whereas a lot, not all, but a lot of the horses that I've looked at in the States, sometimes they don't even have a video. I've been waiting for a week right now for a video of one in the United States a week. Yeah. And it's been mad. It's been advertised as being for sale. They should probably have the video ready first. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel the same way, Lauren, I've, I've had the same experience, you know, I, I get it. And, and, you know, I think the same thing is it's, you can see a horse being ridden and ridden like a dressage horse, you know, um, I think in Europe, uh, they have a lot of people that specialize in riding youngsters. Not always. Don't shoot me on this. Um, You know, a lot of young horses in the U.S. get sent to a cowboy versus somebody that is trained in riding a three-year-old like a dressage horse. And again, that's a general statement. I'm not saying that everybody does that. But I think when you look at young horses, I I make the analogy, obviously I'm from Kentucky, right? And if you're going to look in the world of where to come get a thoroughbred racehorse, you are probably going to come to Kentucky, just my area in Kentucky. Not always. There are great breeders all over the world, but if you're going to come and see the volume of horses, it's probably going to be Kentucky or one of the auctions that we have in Kentucky. It's the same thing. If you were going to look for a young dressage horse, you would go to to Europe, to Holland, to Germany specifically. Um, so, but, but let's talk a little bit about looking in the States because I have right now, I'm, I'm personally looking for five people for horses, uh, varying budgets, varying experience levels, um, very varying, um, budgets. So, I mean, it, it's a challenge right now, right? Because uh, you can't always hop on a plane to go look at them. Right. So, so what are some challenges that you're finding with that as well? You know, one of the things that I like about looking at horses in the United States, and I realize we've been like dumping on American breeders and being yeah, like, we do love horses. American breeders. <laughs> we do we love, love you, American breeders, and 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 also, you know, I love. I much prefer to shop for horses, whether they're young horses or trained horses, in the United States because they're easier to track. You know, I can go on to usdfscores.com and I type in their number, and I can see their whole competition history. You know, also as far as trying things, you know, right now for COVID, yeah, I can't hop on a plane to go see stuff quite as easily, but I didn't really want to hop on a plane to fly 2000 miles to go see one horse anyway, only to discover that it's not quite what I'm looking for. 
And so here in the United States, this is where all my friends live. So if I'm looking at a horse in Texas, I can call, you know, my friend, Lauren Fisher, who worked for me. And I can say, hey, Lauren, the car and go sit on this for me. If I'm going to go see a horse in Washington state, I can call someone and say, hey, go sit on this horse for me. If I want to see a horse in New England, call my friend Liz Karen. And I say, hey, go sit on this horse for me. And that saves me a lot of time. I'm perfectly happy to pay a friend of mine a couple hundred bucks to go sit on a horse to save me two days of travel and airfare and hotel and nonsense. Even before the coronavirus hit, that was the case. I also think that here in the U.S., if you're selling something nice, you're probably going to send it to Wellington, Florida between December 15th and April 15th. And that means that if I have clients looking, I can they can get on a plane one time and they can go sit on eight horses that are what they're looking for. Um, that's not, of course, universally true. If you have $10,000, you're probably not sending it to Wellington, Florida. You know, if, if the horse is for sale for $10,000, you're not going to send it to Wellington just because it costs so much to be there. Uh, but certainly for people that are looking for educated dressage horses with quality gates and they have the money to do that, Wellington's where they where they go. Yeah, I think they're going to be coming here, a lot of them, um, to Wellington. Um, but I do think you can look locally. You certainly should, you know, should look locally first. Phil, what what is the market like in Canada? Um, I mean... <sighs> I'm not that involved in in horse sales and and horse stuff. I mean, I I'm employed by a small breeder. I think the situation is is difficult because there are not many horses bred in in Canada for sure and US more, but but not that many compared to right. across the pond. And usually if if a breeder has a nice horse, um they're going to sell it as a weanling or a yearling. And somebody recognizes the breeding and the quality of that horse and they buy it and they buy it for themselves or they buy it to start it. And they, I think one of the problems in, in shoppers in North America is that just they, there's kind of a mentality that because it was bred here, it's not worth as much money. And, and so if I'm going to stick up for the breeders a little bit, you know, like there's sort of some, some kind of prestige for going across going across the pond and, and spending a lot of money and, and then shipping it in for a lot of money. I've four people I've purchased, uh, you know, as an agent or a, as, as a trainer, wonderful horses in, in Canada that are well-bred are good moving and have done the job and are reason, you know, reasonably priced. So I, you know, I don't, I don't look down on the horses here, but I, I just think like, you gotta, you gotta snap them up quick. Um, because they don't stay on the market very long if they, you know, if it is a good horse. And, and I think that's, that's the situation that we're in. And, and, you know, the horses that are around for, you know, and for sale for, you know, a few months or a couple months or whatever, you know, probably, you know, haven't been pre-purchased. And then when you do, you get, you get a bit disappointed, right? The people I work for that are, are selling a horse, I tell them, let's just do a, a baseline set of x-rays so we know what we're selling, what we're marketing, and, and go from there. And, and you know, be realistic about, uh, about the price, but, you know, don't, don't take a discount because it's not coming from Europe. It's hard. It, it it really is hard, but no, uh, I think it I think it is hard, and and I I think Lauren and I, you know, again, I I would love also to buy in North America. I think that would be great, but I think like you said, like, uh, and I'm not saying that there should be a discounted price at all. In some ways, I would pay more in the U.S. than I would because I don't have to ship it from Europe and and to yeah. take the risk. But I yeah, think there I, is, I think yeah, that the prices ahead. that I'm experiencing are very comparable. Um, you know, the, the two American bred ones that I tried first that unfortunately broke my heart on pre-purchase were both priced at exactly in the States, what it would cost me to get one in Europe and then ship it. So I, I think that the price point is, is not dissimilar. Um, and yeah, I think anybody who says, well, I don't want to buy an American bred horse is being silly. Like I, I want the, I don't care if it was bred in on Mars or Uzbekistan. I don't care if it's got three good gates, good x-rays, and it won't eat me for lunch, then I'm sold. Um, But but to Phil's point, yeah, a lot of the good ones get sold as weanlings. And if they get sold to people who start them well and then put them on the market, great. I want to go meet those horses. And if they get sold to people who don't start them until they're five or they start them at a bitless bridle or whatever, then they're lost. And that's a shame. Yeah. 
Yeah. And have you experienced, Lauren, I mean, I've seen just in general in my search that trained horses right now are going for a premium that because in uh, you're not able to go to Europe. So if you're looking for a trained horse, it is probably going to be some money right now. If you're looking in the U S what do you guys think? It's, it's, for sure. It's going to be some money and it's going to sell real fast because yeah. the market is hot right now. Like, I don't know why mm-hmm. we're all buying horses and houses, but that's what we're doing. Oh, and puppies. <laughs> and puppies. And puppies. Oh, I yeah. love puppies. Oh, I want puppies. Lauren, maybe we should yeah. buy puppies. <laughs> no, I, I think, they, I think so. They will are less heartbreak for sure. Yes, for sure. Well, I think it's just a very interesting discussion. And certainly if anyone's, you know, experiencing or has young horses, text Lauren, you know, email me and Lauren, we will, we will love it. Please do. Uh, But I think there's also a larger discussion. Paul and not feral. Yeah, we would love it. Please send it to us. But I think there is a discussion too on, on connecting U.S. bred riders or U.S. uh, or North American, sorry, Phil, with, um, with, with trainers, because, you know, we're, we're, we do need to always refill our stock. You know, we always are looking and, you know, let's connect to us breeders and, and riders, but Lauren, we could talk with you all night. We love it, but we wanted to ha- have you share all your contact information. So somebody can send you your next Olympic star. Yeah. <laughs> How can people find you? Can you? Find me online. You can find me online on my website, which is frizersporthorse.com or you can find me on both Facebook and Instagram at Lauren Spreiser. Fantastic, Lauren. Thanks so much. And we wish you all the best of luck. Thank you, guys. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Have you heard of a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii? It's a type of probiotic that benefits your horse's digestive tract. Often referred to as S. boulardii, it works in several different ways. One unique property of S. boulardii is that it supports the stimulation of the enzymes found in the intestinal lining. These enzymes help your horse digest starches and sugars in the small intestine. When the sugars and starches are more completely digested, Fewer of them escape into the hindgut where they can ferment and cause imbalances that may lead to colic, diarrhea, and laminitis. Saccharomyces boulardii is found in Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products. Nalox Advanced contains a blend of yeast, fermentation solubles, and stomach buffers. These ingredients work together to maintain your horse's digestive tract in peak condition. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages and stages and is fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. And now a quick word from EcoGold. No slipping, no sliding, no problem. EcoGold's secure saddle pads are engineered to keep the horse's back comfortable while keeping the saddle in a place for a safe, competitive ride. They have impact protection through the seat and ultra-thin flaps, providing the rider with better communication and a more stable riding position. Available in both English and Western styles. Shop the entire collection of wonderful saddle pads at ecogold.ca. Well, tonight we are so happy to have back on the program, Dr. Laura Stokes-Green of Steel and Associates. Welcome back, Dr. Laura. How are you tonight? Thanks so much. It's great to be back, and I'm excited to talk about this topic. Well, we've got a great topic tonight that at some point in your career, more than likely, we will all purchase a horse. And this is a really, really good time to have a plan with your veterinarian. So you're going to talk to us a little bit about pre-purchase exams. So I'm going to let you get started. Yes. So one of the things I think that's super useful for buyers is when you find a horse that you like and are interested in, before you even select the vet to do the pre-purchase, do your homework on the horse. And what that means to me is find out what the show schedule has been. Make sure that the horse, if it is a show horse, has had a consistent show record and doesn't show any big gaps in the history. And do a little bit of an evaluation yourself of the confirmation of the horse. 
the the number one thing that I look at is the front foot balance on these horses because they're so often not perfectly balanced. Um, so that's not a deal breaker right off the bat, but it is something that you should be aware of if the horse has one clubby foot and one low foot, or if they're really offset. It's it's useful information to kind of get an idea ahead of time of how significant that is, um, and then. If you can get the medical records on the horse from the seller, that is just amazing because what that helps us as the pre-purchase veterinarians understand is how much work has been put into this horse and how much work needs to be put into the horse in order to maintain it at the level of show or competition at which you hope to achieve. Um, So asking the right questions of the seller Uh, Do they have any pre-purchase x-rays that they can share with you from their pre-purchase? Oftentimes um, in the dressage world, a lot of the original buyers or owners will have purchased the horse from Europe. So they might have a set of x-rays from Europe, which you can share with your veterinarian before you even do the pre-purchase because pre-purchases can get to be quite expensive. So if you are able to share this information in the x-rays ahead of time, it might save you, you know, just so that you have that extra layer of confidence about the horse. There are certain questions that I always ask myself as the veterinarian, and they're actually written into my pre-purchase reports. I ask, has the horse ever been lame? Has the horse ever needed to be blocked for any reason? Has the horse had any surgeries or known illnesses, things like Cushing's or EPM or colic? Those are are really important to know about. So when you're going to do a pre-purchase on a horse, what is the the normal... uh, evaluation tools that you're that you're going to that you're going to use and and what else do you have available that you know depending on if it's a grand prix horse versus a four-year-old what's your go-to it's an excellent question because as we know there are a lot of uh different levels and intensities of pre-purchases so the the number one thing that i do that i think is the most important is the evaluation in hand and under tack and i think it's very important to watch the horse both on hard surface and on soft surface, regardless of the age of the horse, um, and also with a rider, because you'll see lamenesses. The most surprising pre-purchase I ever had, actually, was one where the horse was perfect under tack, looked absolutely beautiful, and then as soon as we lunged it in soft surface, it was dead lame. And the trainer herself said to me, wow, I'm shocked about this because... I never lunged the horse, so I would never have known this until you came to do the pre-purchase. And so obviously on that horse, the buyer didn't end up taking it, but I think it is important to challenge the horse in these different environments, both on the hard and the soft surface and in hand and under tack. So that's a a given no matter what um, level of pre-purchase or level of sport the horse is going to do. Then we're always looking at the eyes, listening to the lungs, listening to the heart. Those are all givens no matter what. And then I also include a neurologic exam because even at a young age, I think it's important to know, does the horse respond properly to the different things like a tail pull, for example, or small circles where it should know exactly how to track its feet. And so if I see any of these subtle signs that something's not quite firing right, it also is going to give me a little bit more indication that I should follow up with that. Like, why is that horse not doing it correctly? So I might take neck x-rays, for example, to look to see if this young horse has some sort of neck confirmation uh, abnormality, or I might take Lyme blood work or EPM blood work, both things that can cause very low-grade subclinical lame, uh, lameness or neurologic uh, unsoundness. Then after that, those are the bread and butter of the pre-purchase exam. And then we get into imaging. And so in your imaging, you're looking at x-rays and ultrasounds. And the x-ray set that I usually do is pretty extensive. It's a set of about 40 x-rays. And you're looking at the front feet, the front ankles, the knees, the hind ankles, the hocks, and the stifles. And those are the things that I think if you're really looking to see what the whole horse tells you, those are the main areas that I'm looking at. And then if the horse is um, on the expensive level or you have an owner that really likes information and doesn't want to leave any stone unturned, I also do the neck and the back. Even if they don't show 
clinical signs of anything because I've been amazed at the number of times I've found things without having any clinical signs of it. And so that really gives you a roadmap to be able as a veterinarian to tell people what's the prognosis for this horse being able to complete the job that you want it to complete. Yeah. And that makes sense because, you know, I know when I was younger, vets would pass and fail horses, right? That's that's not standard anymore, correct? Absolutely. We're actually trained, you know, when I was trained, we were trained not to use those words because it's more like there's a horse for every buyer and there's a buyer for every horse. And so certain things that are going to be unacceptable to buyer A because they're risky for whatever reason are going to be more acceptable to buyer B. And an example of this is let's talk about like a schoolmaster, right? There are plenty of people who will purchase a 16, 17, 18 year old schoolmaster dressage horse that is the best personality, the safest horse gives you confidence. But if you do what I call looking under the hood, you're going to find arthritis here. You're going to find kissing spines there. And the question is, is the ability of this horse and the confidence giving of this horse enough for that buyer to want to take on the risk of the arthritis or the wear and tear of a horse of that age? Some people would say absolutely not. And then they go for a younger horse, but there are also things in those younger horses that you might not find. So for example, if I don't do a full pre-purchase, I always write on the bottom of my pre-purchase exams, a disclaimer that basically says, if I haven't imaged it, if I haven't x-rayed it, if I haven't ultrasounded it, then I can't really tell you about it. Because let's say, for example, a stifle cyst, a big stifle cyst in a four-year-old horse might not show up at all. I might see no joint effusion, no lameness, no resistance to flexion. And yet still in when the horse is 10, 11, 12, all of a sudden that stifle cyst becomes very clinical and career ending. Now, if I had x-rayed that as a four-year-old, and been able to see that, I could at least tell that buyer, hey, here's what you're facing. Here's the level of risk that you are entertaining by going forward with this. I have to say, you know, being a veterinarian involved in a pre-purchase is is a really tricky thing. And um, my advice to people is to work with a veterinarian that you know and who knows you. Because as you talk about people's level level of comfort with risk you don't know unless you know the person, you know, I, I think a lot of people have certain things that they've dealt with and that have come up in, in previous horses that they've owned and, and that they will not tolerate in, in, in a, in a pre-purchase and, and in their next horse. But a veterinarian doesn't know that if you don't have a relationship with them. Absolutely. I, I have certain clients that I know won't take a horse that has EPM, for example, because they had such a bad experience with a previous horse that had EPM that even if the titer comes back relatively low level and there's no neurologic signs, they still pass on the horse because they're just shell-shocked from their previous experience. And that's fine. You know, the thing that's so nice about this is if you have that very clear communication um, and I, pre-purchases take me the most time of any of the things that I do because they're such a big investment for people. And I really, really want people to be sure about their decision. And because I can't say, yes, this horse passes or no, this horse fails, you know, I want them to be able to ask all of the nitty gritty questions that help them to make that decision. Yeah. And that makes total sense. I think it's, it's a difficult thing for all even for trainers, right? I mean, it's just a time where this is really your team effort that needs to go into this and figuring out who, you know, how's it going to work? And and if something comes up and, and that's what I wanted to talk about, right? Pretty much every pre-purchase exam, something, there's no perfect horse, right? How do you kind of handle that? Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point about the trainer relationship as well, because that is something that really is about suitability of the horse. And the suitability of the horse is as much of a reason that we purchase the horses, if not more, than the physical makeup of the horse. So if you have a perfect vetting on a four-year-old that's you know, going to be going to an amateur and is going to be absolutely insane, that's not going to be a great fit. 
but it might veterinarian wise be perfect. But then, so the, the trainer relationship really, I think, starts off the whole process in terms of trying to find that suitable horse for the client if, if they have a trainer. And then I think there's also different levels of, of the degree in which we can evaluate them. And that sometimes I have clients that just want absolutely everything done. They want every leg ultrasounded. And I love those pre-purchases too, because then I'm able to give them the, the fullest picture that I possibly can. But on some horses like four-year-olds or five-year-olds, I don't necessarily think it's useful to ultrasound every single leg because the probability that the four-year-old or five-year-old has a suspensory that's starting to wear and tear is very unlikely compared to the 10 or 11 or 12-year-old horse. The other thing that I, I've encountered and that you know maybe people don't realize is that the um, technology and the education is constantly evolving you know in, in vets who are dealing with sport horses and 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 all of this. So someone who's done a you know did a pre-purchase on a horse 15 years ago, they're going to get a little bit different, not crazy, but a little bit different advice if you're going to do uh, a pre-purchase. Uh, you know, thinking about buying their next horse or or whatever, and they're gonna they're gonna do it right now. I think a lot of people run into, well, we didn't do it for the last horse. Why, you know, why should I do it? So, I think there's a lot of uh, evolving thoughts on topics and 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 even interpreting X-rays and that kind of thing. For sure, the X-ray sets that we've gotten in the past from referral veterinarians in Europe have actually improved dramatically over the past five years. And I think that's because of the advent of digital x-rays and the ease and the the expense has gone down in acquiring one of these systems. And the quality of the x-ray that you get with a digital x-ray system is just so far superior to either the cassette systems that they used to have or the film systems that they used to have. So that for me is a have to, not a want to. You you need to get a set of x-rays from somebody who's got a digital x-ray system because the quality just isn't good enough, in my opinion, otherwise. That makes sense. And and I think if you buy some horses in Europe, you know, obviously that's, it's stressful because there's a language barrier and there's, uh, there's also different standards. Um, Cause a lot of times the vets in Europe uh, are okay with the, the, the x-rays, for example, and then they come to America. So could you talk a little bit about that? Cause I've had this happen myself actually. Right. So I think it's helpful to describe ahead of time to the vets in Europe, if you're going to use somebody over there, um, to describe what kind of pre-purchase you want. And uh, we work every day with a lot of vets over there that that I have been trained in the American way. And what's nice about that is, you know, if the horse is coming over here, then you want to have that kind of baseline understanding. But certainly it's it's a lot of communicating. It's a lot of understanding where the background of that horse is coming from. And I think Um, one of the things that I recommend that's helpful is if you're doing a pre-purchase in Europe, have the vet video or have somebody video the vet doing the flexions and have somebody video the horse doing the different tasks that you're asking. So have somebody video the horse trotting in a lunge line on the soft surface, have somebody video the horse trotting on the hard surface so that you can share that with your vet in the U S and they can give you a really, uh, as comprehensive as a, of a, of a consult as possible. I think the vettings that are the easiest for me when they're international, when I'm doing a consult are the ones where I have the most information and I have, you know, the, somebody sends me about 20 WhatsApp videos and then they send me all the x-rays that they have taken for this exam. And then they also send me the pre-purchase x-rays that they had previously. Yeah. I mean, that, that's awesome to be able to go back and really, uh, you know, really watch the horse and, and have that for your records as well to say, okay, you know, maybe three years or so, you know, the horse has a problem, you know, it's good to be able to look back at the, at the videos and also the x-rays that were done before as kind of a baseline when, after you end up purchasing the horse, keep those around. So Laura, um, we were talking about some resources that you have available that uh, maybe our listeners would be interested in. Um, talking about pre-purchases. So I would be happy to provide the template of what our pre-purchase from Steel and Associates looks like. It's a very long pre-purchase. I put a lot of information in there. I think the more information that I'm able to give, 
my client as the buyer, the better, because it really allows us to go line by line through the pre-purchase and discuss each of the aspects. So are the teeth normal? Does it breathe normally? Does it look normally on the hard surface and the soft surface? You know, I really go through line by line. Are the flexions all normal? Um, So I'd be happy to share that with whoever would like it if you want to email me. And my email address is stokesgreendvm at gmail.com. And so that's my last name, Stokes, S-T-O-K-E-S, green like the color with an E on the end, dvm at gmail.com. Fantastic. And Dr. Laura Stokes Green, where uh, can we find your website and your clinic? Absolutely. So Steel and Associates is based in multiple places. We have vets in Virginia. We have vets in Kentucky. We have vets in Wellington and New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. The best place to find me is on Instagram at Dr. Laura SG, and that's spelled at Dr. Laura SG. I love to post photos there and I love to answer questions from people. So please feel free to reach out. Well, thanks so much, Dr. And we look forward to talking to you another time. Thank you. Have a great night. Tired of having your boot sucked off bit stride by sticky mud? Mud control grids are the solution. Frustrated by mushy, slippery messes at the paddock gates? Mud control grids are the solution. Is keeping the ground underfoot stable in your sacrifice areas and dry lots causing you to lose sleep? Once again, mud control grids are the solution. You're seeing a trend here, aren't you? Well, Han Plastics Mud Control Grids really has come up with the best solution. Unlike other plastic grids on the market, mud control grids can be installed directly on top of the mud. Let me say that again, right on top of the mud. You don't need to do any ground preparation. The mud control grids are an instant solution to your high traffic muddy areas. No more having to fill in with sand, gravel, shavings, or even old carpet. What's more, mud control grids will allow grass to grow underneath of them so they can be taken back up once the area is dry or recovered. Or you can leave them right where they are and take over again when the rainy season comes back around. Han Plastics mud control grids are designed to be installed as a temporary or permanent solution. You can take them with you with you move. Put down a lot, put down a few. Add more each year. The ultimate mud control solution. Check out Han Plastics mud control grids at mudgrid.ca. Oh, an added bonus, your tractor or gator won't sync up to its axles with Han Plastics mud control grids in place. So there's that www.mudgrid.ca. Well, Phil, I'm not going to lie. This is probably one of my favorite segments we do every year. I'm really excited about this one. So every year we do a holiday gift guide. And guys, I don't know if you know this, but I love to give gifts. I like to give gifts. I'm not going to lie. Who doesn't like to receive a gift? I really like to give gifts. So Phil and I are going to do a little holiday gift guide on some things that we really like. So Phil, you want me to start? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let, let, let's see. Let's see what you got. Like. All right. Wait for it. Okay. A four-piece holiday riding set. You've got wraps. You've got a quarter sheet. You've got a like a head... I don't know what you call it. It's not a helmet, but like an earpiece. Oh my gosh. Four-piece riding set. Your horse can look like Santa on your riding for Christmas from the tack room. I really like that one. I really want that one. So what do you got? What's your next one? Yeah, I think think the girls really like to go matchy-matchy. Oh, totally matchy-matchy. Oh, I I really like that one. I have noticed noticed that. And they probably (laughs) have some new colors I've never seen before. And, you know. Uh, well, this, no, this one's just a Santa. It's just a Santa look. Oh, it's like, okay. Your horse looks red and white. It's super oh. cute. It would be great in your Christmas photos. Love it. So okay. cute. The gift, gift that I really like to give and get is is just a, a horsey-themed mug. Because, I mean, who doesn't yeah. use a mug? If you're Canadian, you're drinking more more <laughs> drinks all day long. So um, <laughs> I think that's really nice. It's really handy. It's really useful. And you can... You, you can find funny horse sayings and, you know, personalize it, you know. So, I mean, if you're early, early on your gift giving, yeah, you can, you can have something made. Yep. And this is, this would be on the same thing from Blue Ridge Engraving. You can find this on Etsy. 
personalized equestrian grooming kit, gifts, brushes. It's awesome. So I really, really like this one. So Blue Ridge Engraving, most beautiful grooming kit you've seen. Like, I love it. That was a favorite of mine. Yeah. Again, if you're early on it, I've seen some really, really nice if you're if you're from a particular barn and you have logos, you can put that kind of stuff all all over basically anything you want. Anything, nowadays. yeah. Or order through mail and, and they and they ship it to you. My next one is probably what we should have done for the first one is the horse radio network stuff. You know, whether it's yes. it's the masks or the mugs or the you know, they have a lot of stuff on the horse radio network. So you can kind of check that stuff out on uh well, everybody knows horseradionetwork.com. Yeah, we love that. And obviously supporting our network and our home, that would be awesome. I got another one, the cutting board shop, horse lovers, custom cutting board. That one's pretty cool too. As you, I I love all that kind of stuff. Like I like matchy. I love engraved. This would be so fun for your trainer. I'm just saying, or if you're doing, you know, a get together at the barn, that would be super fun. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I think also just uh, warm weather gear. I mean, from Canada, I I go through that stuff like crazy. I I like to have a little variety in, in, you know, hats and scarves and and gloves and and all all of that, all that stuff. You can never have enough. So, So Phil, tell us real quick, like what winter gear do you have? Like, what do you use? So for me, there's not, the, the problem is that there's not a ton of selection in yeah. men's wear, yeah. even, you know, especially equestrian themed, but, uh, just in general, um, I think men don't get, get the variety that, that, that women get. But I, I mean, I like really just, you know, wool hats, wool scarves, uh, you know, natural fibers so that, you know, when, when I'm wearing a riding, like I can't, switch my outfit all the time. So, you know, some of the, some of the textiles get kind of sweaty. I think just the, the, the natural fibers is the best stuff for, you know, uh, riding horses and, and going from horse to horse. And, and basically it's about not getting cold in between yeah. rides. Or, or, but you or wear like, cold. don't you wear literally heated gloves and things? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I've got some of that stuff, but, uh, um, you know, that's when I, that's not kind of a day to day that that's when I, you know, I'm going on a weekend to do, to do a, you know, a clinic or something like okay. that, where I'm going to be out for five or six hours. Yeah. not doing anything. Um, you know, when I'm riding, I get warm and so right. that's not a big deal. It's just, you know, I'll, I'll ride a horse, then teach a lesson, then have to get back on a different horse. So yeah, that, right. that, that's, that's a little bit the challenge. Right. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, that's hard when you ride, right? So, but there's such great fabrics and things out there now that you can change. I, Phil would wear that in a clinic. Everybody, you know, I would be wearing that to the grocery <laughs> store. Like, I would be having the heated, heated everything. Heated jacket. Yeah, I heated would have jacket. a heated sheet to walk around in. Like, yes. <laughs> what are you talking about, Phil? You're like, Psh, I only wear that. And no, no, no. Well, the last one I have, though, is um, something I'm actually going to get my niece because I think it's really cool. And we're trying to learn, you know, she's seven and we're trying to learn uh, the parts of the horse and and bridles and saddles. So this is a really cool vintage poster from Urban Vogue Company. And it's awesome. So I really like this one. Again, it it sounds like it's a small business and uh, it's a vintage horse poster and it's great. So if you're trying to teach, I, I kind of want to buy this and put it in, in her tack room or my sister's tack room. So we, we have, we can talk and have a little poster. So that's my final gift giving guy. I got, I got one more. I love it. Trafalgar square books. Love it. Love great, it. Great, book club. great friend of the show. We do our book club. They have tons of, you know, tons of books, tons of stuff. So www.horseandriderbooks.com. And we will put up a list of the book club books that we did this year. Cause I will tell you, if I talk to anyone, friends of the show, everyone thanks us and has really enjoyed the book club. And we're really glad because we really do, uh, Phil and I talk about those and we really like to pick the right book for all of us because Phil and I read them too. So we really try to pick the right books. And I was so thrilled when everyone has really enjoyed that and has enjoyed the community that we've created. So Trafalgar Square, they're an amazing company and they have other books. We just, we pick um, with them and, and books we, we want to chat about. So we really, really enjoy that. So, so 
A great one, Phil. I guess I have one other thing because I have a little one in my life that rides. And what I would say is she likes anything unicorn. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a sucker. Phil, you Phil even sent me a hat for her the other day. That was a unicorn. Like it, it is, it is full on unicorn. And you know, I'm not going to say that I buy uh, two of each item because I usually do. Uh, I'm like, Oh, she has a hat and I probably buy them for myself too. Cause I love it. Mm-hmm. So unicorn items are heavy in our house. So I like this as well. So we hope you enjoy our holiday segment. And, uh, if you have any other ones that you want to share with our listeners, put it on our Facebook page, uh, but you also send it and Phil and I would love to chat about it. Well, Phil, another great gift from one of our companies that's been with our show a long time is the total saddle fit, the GERS. And also the Stability Stirrup Leathers. We talk about them every week, but these are the most amazing gifts. If you want to give me your fellow gifts or not, we'll take it. <laughs> no, we're kidding. But but really, really amazing gifts. Phil and I use these products every day. We have tested them for years. They honestly still look amazing. And uh, it's incredible. So uh, we can't thank Justin at Total Saddle Fit enough, but also the amazing products. And they would be great gifts. If you have any questions, feel free to ask Phil and I. We're happy to help you with that. But uh, totalsaddlefit.com, all great products. And also a great thank you for Justin for uh, supporting our show throughout the years. And then now we have a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week from Dominique Lean. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight, I am so happy to have Dominique Lean. She was my assistant trainer for two years at Maple Crest Farm, and now she is the barn manager and rider at New Vocations in Lexington, Kentucky. Dominique, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. And, you know, as everyone knows, I'm so proud of my girls. You know, Dom has been one of my girls for a long time now, and I just, I'm so excited for your new position. So could you tell us a little bit about New Vocations and what you do there? Yes. So New Vocations is a nonprofit racehorse adoption program. Um, We are based in several different states, but our main location is in Lexington, Kentucky. And our mission is to rehab, retrain, and rehome off the track thoroughbreds and standard breds. At the Lexington facility that I work at, we just have thoroughbreds. We have about I want to say about 50 on the training side and about 20 on our rehab side. So my day-to-day just is evaluating the horses and riding them and taking care of them and trying to find them the best home. I love it. So Phil, you have our total saddle fit tip of the week listener question, and everyone will know why we asked Dom to come on the show. So Phil, fill us in. Okay, we got this email. It was a little while ago, but uh, could you give some information on what you look for in an off-the-track thoroughbred when considering one for dressage? What are your must-haves and what can you live with? I would say that what I look for is something sane, sound, and serviceable. Those are my three things that are most important. So you want one with a good brain, a good head on its shoulders. But as for a dressage prospect... I would say looking for one with an uphill confirmation is going to make the self-carriage easier in dressage and looking for one with good feet because thoroughbreds can have problems with their feet. So making sure that they have good feet is going to be a good basis for your starting point and making sure you have a plan with your farrier if you're getting one with not as good a feet. Um, But just a good brain, an uphill confirmation and same is I would say the top things to look for. So, Dominique, how many horses, I mean, you, how many horses do you see kind of on a, I don't know, weekly, monthly basis? And how many would you point toward dressage on average? I see we have about 30 in our training stalls and they are moving in and out each week. We're getting new ones and the ones are coming out and going in. But I would say that most half of them would be good for dressage because some of them are a little more fiery and they take to the self-carriage better and they have lovely natural movement. Some of them, their movement's not as great. And I wouldn't say they would be great for dressage, but it's about 50, 50. Yeah. I think also, you know, kind of what, what's important is also to do your own homework about, 
Um, you know, normally a, a thoroughbred off the track is not going to be a lot of money, but I think it's worthwhile to have a veterinarian come in and and do a soundness check or maybe get some x-rays and, you know, just to have their opinion on, 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 on the horse's um, soundness and, and, and to look at that before you start putting any work into them. That's yes, my, I agree. Yeah. 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 I think that's huge. Well, I think that's honestly huge for any horse, right? I, I know a lot of people that don't vet horses. I'm sort of not Ah, that makes me, cause it, it, we put so much into them, all of us in time and sweat and energy and money and love, and love. And, and, love. and you know, it's, <laughs> it's really hard if, if there is something there. So I, I think we're all advocates of pre-purchases. And so, uh, Dominique at, at new vocations, right. You do not as, as the client or someone that's coming in, do not sit on them. Correct. The riders are the one that ride them. Right. Yes, correct. We have um, too many horses and too many applicants. It would be a liability issue to allow them to ride. But um, they are—they are at full disclosure. They know everything about the horse. They know everything that our vet has found out about the horse, and we try to send them with a good idea of like how we've been riding them and what we've been working on. And they're welcome to come see them work. Right, right. And you guys do this all day, every day. Like this is not, this is something you're doing all the time. And I think that's part of we it too. Just you finished with a, um, a vet appointment where we checked like seven horses who were new to see what their prognosis wow. would be for future careers. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. Actually, you, you called, you called us my, my current assistant, uh, you found her a horse, you called and said, Hey, you've got to come look at this horse. Uh, so tell us why that, that he's a great, great dressage prospect, eventing prospect. So why did you call us like right away and say, Hey, come over to look at like that specific horse? Um, he had a really good head on his shoulders and his confirmation was lovely. And the one time that I had worked with him on the ground before that, he was really smart and took to everything that I was asking him right away. And so when she had texted me or assistant saying that she was looking for something, he was just the first one I thought of because he was just built correctly and had a good head on his shoulders. And I didn't find any soundness issues with him at the time. So I said, go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, he, and he's been awesome. He's been so much fun. So, so Dom, how uh, can we find new vocations if someone's interested in adopting a thoroughbred and or if they're interested in giving to a nonprofit through this season, how would they find you? Um, we are on every social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We have a website at horseadoption.com. Um, or if you just type in new vocations, racehorse adoption program, you'll find us. We have a huge site and we have locations in Louisiana, Ohio, New York. We're all over and we're getting bigger. So come and check us out. And we have a lot of lovely horses who want to go home for the holidays. So <laughs> I your love next it. Partner. <laughs> Absolutely. Dominique, happy holidays. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. Literally fill a nice smile every time we get one. So we love it. Keep it up. And uh, we have some, some really good announcements. We want to make sure we get in for the show. The first announcement is we've been getting great submissions for our video giveaway. Basically, it is send a video. Well, actually, the first step is to send Phil and I an email, Phil or I or both of us, an email for somebody deserving for a lesson, a virtual lesson from Phil and I. And you send us a video and Phil and I will come online with you and give a lesson to whoever you feel like uh, is deserving. And we've gotten some amazing stories and uh, we will choose. And it's going to be really hard to choose. So it, it may be also Valentine's Day. This may be going on a while. So we really are excited and thankful for all the submissions we've gotten. So send us an email of somebody that you feel like is uh, would love a lesson from Phil and I, a virtual lesson. The next announcement is don't forget our book club book, Effortless Dressage by Uta Graf. Effortless Dressage program, a top writer's key to success using play, groundwork, trail riding, and turnout. So that is available on horseandriderbooks.com, Trafalgar Square. Sorry, I was going to just jump in and uh, yeah. say the cool part was that um, I put up the message on the auditor page. And this is the book that we have gotten the most submissions really? for to receive the book. Yeah. 
awesome. Yeah. So that that was a bit of a tough one. <laughs> um, well, actually, if anybody knows, I talk about it sometimes. But we, I just put, every, I assign everybody a number, and then the numbers go in the hat. But I had to make a bunch of numbers this time. Did you? I didn't yeah. even know how you did that because that's that's your department. So yeah. I, I, I had no idea. Actually, guys, that's how Phil did it. But yeah. again, uh, to be eligible to come on the program and get the book for free, uh, you have to be a Horse Radio Network auditor. Also a great gift if you wanted to gift somebody who listens to the to the radio network. Uh, that helps the network. That helps Phil and I. So it's a great way. So you go to uh, our website is horseradionetwork.com. And there's information about how to become an auditor. And it's basically a friend of the show and a friend of the network. So we would yeah, love that part as well. Of being part of the community. And there's a, yeah. there's a few perks about, about that. You get yeah. some behind the scenes uh, interviews and stuff, and uh, and the the book club is a, is a, is a nice perk. So yeah, we thank everyone yeah. that has already signed up and is an auditor. That's that's so awesome for you to support us. Yeah, and um, thank you. We appreciate. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate yeah. it. You. And and thank our you. last announcement, like I told you, we had some announcements. Um, but if anyone is a USDF member, the USDF convention is going on right now. The show should come out on Saturday, uh, and there's uh, meetings on Saturday and Sunday. Most of the featured education is on Sunday. So if you are in the house, can't go anywhere, free education to any member. It's really easy. You have to go online, and there's a process. You have to download an app, but it's it's really, if I can do it, you can do it. Uh, very simple. They've done a great job. Uh, and I was on a couple meetings today, so I would highly recommend it. Great featured educations on Sunday, so check it out. Uh, and again, it's free for any members. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me or contact me is through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank the sponsors tonight for allowing us to put on a good show. That's ProStride, Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, Eco Gold, Han Plastics, and Bait Saddles. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, chins up, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. Thank you.